0: Welcome to another episode of Balanced Body Radio. I'm your host, Casey Ruff, and today we have another amazing guest to introduce you now. Andy Schoonover is the founder of CrowdHealth a company he founded to address serious issues with our current health insurance model. Sadly, every single year, 250,000 insured individuals are forced to declare bankruptcy due to medical expenses. Wow. This serves as a clear indication that the current system is ineffective and primarily benefits the medical industry. Frustrated by the lack of justifiable explanations, Andy has chosen to focus on building a superior solution. Conventional health insurance often lacks personal touch and reliability, driven by a distorted driven by distorted incentives, excuse me. However, at CrowdHealth, the focus is on changing this narrative. Members are treated like family, receiving assistance throughout their health journey, and having their bills managed at an affordable price. The aim is to create a system that prioritizes keeping members healthy rather than profiting from their illnesses. Ultimately, the goal is to redefine the concept of healthcare in society. This realization ultimately led Andy to understand that the system was flawed, prompting him to establish CrowdHealth as a more compassionate and dependable alternative for healthcare payment visit www.joincrowdhealth.com to learn more. Andy Schoonover, what an absolute honor it is to welcome you to balanced body radio,
1: man. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it.
0: Absolutely. It's such an honor. I'm so, so, so excited for this conversation before we dig in. I have to ask you live in Austin. How was the formula one race that happened this weekend at the time of the recording?
1: Yeah, man. Incredible. We were talking about it before we got on and, uh, just had a great time. The weather was beautiful. Uh, the people were great. You know, the great, the fun thing about this is that uh, there was the guy that was hosting me. I asked who had gone to all the formula one races. So I, I don't know what it was like 20 formula one races. And he said the favorite, uh, place to go is the United States and specifically, you know, Austin. So, Um, you know, it was pretty, pretty neat to, to experience.
0: That's amazing. Yeah. The first year that formula one came to Austin specifically was I believe in 2012 and there was maybe like a hundred thousand people that even went, like I was completely unaware of formula one at the time. And since Netflix has released that amazing series drive to survive, tons of people are hooked in into it. I'm hooked into it. My wife loves it. And now they're getting over 400,000 attendees over the course of a weekend. It's insane. Crazy. That's so crazy.
1: Given given it it took me two hours to get home. I do not doubt it. (laughs) They had the killers on Friday night, which I'm a big killers fan, uh, for the music fans out there. So it was a really fun time.
0: That's amazing. Drivers love the track. They love eating lots of barbecue. That's all they really uh, tend to talk about, which is amazing in Austin. Um, yeah. And (laughs) super fun. And I'll just tell the listener, like, I don't care if you don't care about car racing. I don't care about car racing. Traditionally watch the first five minutes of season one, episode one, give it five minutes. If you hate it, turn it off. Don't worry about it. But Odds are, I think you might get
1: a bit (laughs) addicted. And uh, you'll lose several hours of your life as a result you,
0: of you will lose, lose or invest depending on how you want to. Yeah,
1: whatever. Yeah.
0: <laughs> That's amazing. Dude. Okay. So I will often joke on my show that I'm asking, asking like honest questions or selfish questions. And this entire episode is going to be me asking very, very selfish questions. I think a lot of people are, are in the kind of position that I'm in. I never really wanted to be an entrepreneur. We, you know, my wife and I were both working for the big corporate gym pandemic, you know, they put us on unemployment. We started our own company and here we are. One of the really nice things about working for a big corporation is benefits. And uh, we lost all of them and shopping around for health insurance, it's it's absurd. Mm. It's astounding what the prices are and learning the system is crazy, but then like telling our families that we don't have health insurance. They bitch at us about it. Like it's it's hugely problematic and you seem mm. to have found a pretty cool solution.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, we we um health insurance is a, is a disaster going and searching for it and figuring it out. Um, you know, funny, quick, funny stories. I, I had uh, a, my roommate from, from business school. Um, I went to Stanford. He was number two in our class, number one or number two in our class. And he said, the one thing that makes me feel like an idiot is health insurance, like co-pays and co-insurance and deductibles. And, you know, they give you 42 different options when you, when you get there. And it's just like, you know, what the hell is going on? And so I really tried to build a company that was simple. Simplicity is a core value of ours. We try to keep everything simple. Um, you know, and, and it is an alternative to health insurance that's way more effective, way more fun. It, it, it's weird to say that about a healthcare, but we have a great time. And we, you're in a community of people much like us, who we want to take care of ourselves. We are, you know, in our 30s and our 40s generally and we're fit and therefore the healthcare costs for the community are really really low. Um, you know, as opposed to you're you putting money into you know, a, a big pool of of capital where a bunch of the people who are pulling money out of that capital aren't taking care of themselves. They are obese, they are, you know, doing things that you and I wouldn't be doing and are making bad choices and so, you know, you're really in a community of people who are taking care of themselves. So we got a lot of pregnancies we've got a lot of active injuries a lot of mountain bike face plants things like that that just happen when you're when you're active and you're in your 30s and 40s so it's a good group of people to be a part of
0: yeah, that's amazing. I think about that all the time. Like, I why would I subsidize somebody who is not taking care of themselves and, and they're chronically sick? I haven't been to the doctor in like 10 years, but but what's gonna happen to me is that face plant on the mountain bike. I'm gonna get clobbered by a semi-truck on my road bike. Like, that's what I worry about. That's gonna be hugely expensive. And so not being covered is really uncomfortable for those situations. But it, it's it's cool to know that you've you've found a solution, which we're definitely going to talk about. We're definitely gonna talk about, sure. um, you know, the nexus of starting the company and why you decided to do that. But Before we do, I want to learn about your own health journey. Um, I know that you're kind of, you know, you've been kind of keto, low carb, carnivore ish for a while. So, can you tell us a little bit about what that, you know, health story was for yourself?
1: Yeah, you know, I I think there's there's something about um, getting off of health insurance, and I've talked to this a little bit with the Meat Mafia guys who we talked about before we got on. Once you become sovereign over your own health. And and don't outsource that to a health insurance company. You're just perspective on your body changes. You take a lot more agency over your your own body. And so it was, you know, several years ago when I became um uninsured, um, that I started taking care of myself. You know, and I was at the time, I think I was two, somewhere around 215, 220. I'm six, six, two. Um, and so I started with a what is what what is it called uh whole 30 yeah right my wife wanted me to get into whole 30 and so i did that did whole 30 for a while and i found that that was that was great there's still something a little missing i wasn't really losing the weight that i wanted to then kind of got into keto low carb and i went from 215 to 180 um on in that my my um i'm i'm you know i know you're got a bunch of fit folks but i i was in the mid-20s in terms of like body fat and i'm now down to 12 or 13. Nice. Um, and so, you know, I mean, I'm getting just, just taking care of your body. And, uh, and ultimately, you know, what I want for myself and what I want for others too, is like, I want to, in my eighties, be running around the backyard with my grandkids. Like that's my desire. You know, and I've seen too many people, many people close to me who um aren't able to do that I'm like man it sucks to be able to get to your 80s and you know have these grandkids you want to play with you and you know everybody who's who's a grandparent always says like it's it's even better to have having kids you know and I, so I was like man I want that for myself and I want that for other people too um so you know I I have taken that on as a personal thing my wife has as well we're trying to through crowd health get other people to start understanding how their body works and operates and what you know, labs you should be getting and what tests you should be getting and things like that. So we're trying to educate people. But, you know, I I, I have said that um, there's three passions of mine in life. One is to break the healthcare system, because I think all these people going bankrupt, as you mentioned, is a, a crime. Um, two is I want to break the food system, because the fact that we have 70% of the, the people in the, our country are obese, 88% of the people in our, our country are metabolically unhealthy. You know, I want to break the the food system. Um and I want to break the monetary system because I think it's a whole different conversation. But I'm a, I'm a bit a big Bitcoiner myself. Um maybe some of the people out there are as well. But I think the monetary system is screwing people too. And so I've been able to build a company where I've been able to address each one of these things that I'm just super passionate about. And that's a great thing about building a company. You know, I can really focus it on things that I'm, I'm fired up about and I think could, could change the planet if it actually works.
0: Man, I love that. Yeah, I was just reflecting yesterday. I went to the store to go grab, you know, a little bit of ground beef to cook up for dinner. And you, you see the dude, he's in his 50s or 60s and he's like leaning over on this like giant walking stick. He can barely move around. He's like so buckled over. It sucks that we've gotten to this place where, again, healthcare costs are so expensive and crazy because of a lot of what we've been told for the last you know, 60, 70 years about nutrition. It's really terrible. Tell us a story yeah. about how all this came about in your own personal life. It sounds like this had to do something with your daughter, right?
1: Yeah, sure. So I um, so I so this is my second company, my first company. I sold uh, a, a while back, and as such, I didn't have health insurance because most of us get health insurance through our employers. Um, and so it was coming off of that company I went to Obamacare. I thought it was my only option. Um, and so I got a plan and it was, I don't know, something like 1200 bucks for, for me, my wife and my two girls uh, per month. And I joke, it worked until I had to use it. So my, uh, my my little one who was one at the time was having recurring ear infections. And so we went through the ear, nose and throat doc. We said, she's got a hole in her eardrum. So we got, went to the local hospital, got a surgery. It was a 15 minute surgery um, and I got a, the bill a few weeks later and it was $8,000. And I was like, holy <laughs> crap, $8,000 for a 15 minute surgery. But I was like, this is the whole point of health insurance. Like, like, this is why I do this. Great. You know, little did I know a few weeks later, I got another note this time from my health insurance plan that said that it was medically unnecessary. And so they refused to pay for it. And so we went through three rounds of this, my doctor fighting with their doctor. And they're like, look, we're not paying for it. I was like, dude's she had a hole in her eardrum. Like, how do you not pay for this? And after doing a lot of research, what I found is a lot of these plans—they just deny claims left and right. So last year, it was either last year or the year before—I can't remember. Forty-eight million claims were denied. That's almost twenty percent of claims were denied. You have a one-in-five chance of your claim getting denied if you're on a on an Obamacare plan. And I was just like, screw this. Like, I'm not doing this anymore. And so I I uh, I ditched that plan. And I saved myself twelve hundred bucks a month, and uh, I I was uninsured, and so I, my wife and I were like, okay, how do we do this being uninsured? Built some tools, figured some things out, and you know that ultimately led me to start Crowd Health because I was like, there are other people out there that are well, one, either pissed off with health insurance or are uninsured and looking for something, but just can't find anything because the alternatives out there suck, um, and so that's why I started Crowd Health. That's amazing. Was
0: it nerve-wracking in the beginning? Um I, I it's one thing like my wife and I to not be insured. Like I can make sure that I ride my road bike a little bit further, you know, closer to the sidewalk than the road itself. I can, you know, ride the more mellow trails that I used to ride 10 years ago to minimize the chances of me face planning on my mountain bike. But we don't have kids. Was it difficult yeah. for you to make that
1: decision with kids? You know, as I started thinking about I like, I'm a I'm a finance guy by background and I was like, "Okay, what is the worst thing that could happen?" Right. Like I could get a massive million dollar bill or something like that. Um, and you know, cancer or, or whatever it ends up being. And so it's like, okay, so if this is cancer, um, if it's really bad, probably what the hospital is gonna do, and just say it's a million dollar bill, they know they're not gonna get a million dollars from me, you know, because I'm gonna fight like hell. They're not gonna get a million dollars from me. I'm gonna be able to negotiate that down. I'm gonna be able to negotiate down to, you know, very, very little. Um, probably. And then they're going to stretch it out over a period of time for me. And so I will have to pay monthly payments for a long time because something really big happens. But guess what? I pay monthly payments for a long time for health insurance, which I don't get crap from anyway. So I'm just gonna be like, I'm just gonna risk it. And the probability of me or you, what are you in your 30s, 20s, 30s? Yeah, just about to turn 40. 40, man, you're you're young, dude. Um, (laughs) Uh no um so you know like the probability of one of us like having something like that is minute it's so so tiny and so we're much more likely to have an ACL tear or something like that right and and even those you know an ACL tear you can get you can get fixed for twelve grand and they'll spread it out over two years so you're paying 500, 500 bucks a month for a couple of years to pay for my ACL which is I was paying twelve hundred dollars from a health insurance anyway like what is the point um. And so that's kind of the math that I went through and I said the probability of something really, really bad happening is so, so low. That's crazy. Um, And then the outcome of that is still doable, feasible, if I can stretch it out over a period of time and, and negotiate it down and things like that. And so I was like, what if CrowdHealth negotiated that down? And what if CrowdHealth helped you with stretching out those payments or even better, What if crowd health could be able to gather a group of like-minded people who would say, Hey man, if you have something happen, would you, I'll help you out. You know, if I have something to happen, will you help me out? And so if you get a group of people who are all like-minded who are willing to raise their hand to help others out, um, then you have something where if something really big happens, then you have a community of people who are around you and gathered and say, Hey, I'll help you out, man. Like for sure. And by the way, that's the way it's happened for hundreds of years before the 1970s when health insurance plans came in. And, you know, healthcare in the past has been very inexpensive. And it wasn't until the 70s, just like our monetary system, you know, shit hit the fan and our healthcare expenses, you know, spiked to the moon. Um, and so it's these insurance companies that have gotten in here, and we can talk about why that happened, but um, you know, we've been doing this for a long time. We're just, we're just kind of going back to the future, you know, is, is basically what I like to say. Um, and so it's, you know, we have, we've had five, 5,500 people or something like that sign up. Um, we've had, I think 9,000 bills now, um, that, that have been submitted and, you know, and everything from cancer cases, we have a, a brain surgery next week. Um, we've had NICU babies. Um, we've had, heart surgeries. We've had, you know, car accidents, motorcycle accidents, all kinds of stuff that our customers, our members have, have stepped up and said, I'll, i am willing to help out. Um, so it's worked great so far.
0: Yeah. It's incredible and very brilliant. And yeah, maybe now would be a good time to talk about the conventional system. And let's start with what you mentioned. Like, how, how, how did we get to the point that we're at today? We'll, we'll talk about that too, but like what, what has been the history and what happened in the seventies that kind of screwed everything up?
1: Yeah, I mean basically in the 70s you had the HMO Act of I think it was 1973 or something like that where it basically put into law the fact that these health insurance plans can build these networks and that you can then choose from any doctor in this network um to be able to go to and then you pool your resources behind it and kind of built the modern day, you know, health insurance space. And there was there's things in the past for, you know, 50 years before that that were a lot more of like what we're doing and a lot less like health insurance plans, but the problem that that started when they thought these networks were such a beautiful thing. So for everybody out there who's, you know, not familiar, you know, health insurance plans have have networks. They have pre-negotiated rates with these doctors or these hospitals so that when you go there, um, the, they have a contractual agreement, you know, exactly, you know, how much it's, is it is going to get paid. We don't as a patient, but the, the, the two businesses do. And so everybody thought this was a great idea because the health insurance plans would have all this power to go in and negotiate really low rates with this network the problem with that is is that as hospital systems have been able to consolidate so for example i live in austin there's two hospital systems here so if you can imagine united healthcare comes in and says hey i want to negotiate with you st david's and ascension seton and st david's and ascension says you need both of us, or all your, you're going to lose all your business in Austin. So I'm not going to negotiate with you. And the, the United's like, okay, um, and the prices go up because if you're a hospital, you want the prices to go up. Um, and so, why does United Healthcare not really care about that? Well, in Obamacare, basically what they said is is that health insurance plans can only uh, profit fifteen percent of premiums. Okay, so if I have a thousand dollar premium, I can only have one hundred and fifty dollars of profit. Um, It's actually profit and administrative expenses, but same same deal. So a thousand dollars, one hundred and fifty in profit. So how do I get up to grow my profit by 10 percent to one hundred and sixty five? My premiums have to go from a thousand to eleven hundred. So I, as the health insurance plan, who's supposed to be working on the patient's behalf right now, have an incentive to see prices go up. So um, sorry, if this is kind of a long way of saying this, but the buyer of healthcare, which is health plans, and the sellers of healthcare, which is these hospital systems, they both want the price to go up. So well, what's going to happen? You know, you know, you don't have to have a PhD in economics to figure this out, right? If, if the buyer and seller both want the price to go up, the price is going up. And so that's the dynamic that's been created over the last 50 years. And that's why we're seeing, you know, prices go up, you know three times the rate of of um of, of inflation so that's the issue that we've had over the last you know 20 years especially but really 50 years <laughs>
0: It's so messed up, dude. It's so bizarre. And then, like, even as I was working for this big corporation, obviously they subsidized my health insurance, which is fine. And I think I was on some high deductible plan because I didn't, I don't use health insurance. I don't go to the medical community. Right. It was so expensive to to pay monthly my share. And then the deductible was like, I'm never going to hit this deductible unless I'm in like the ICU or whatever. Like, it's it's, yeah, it's exactly. insane how expensive it is.
1: Yeah, exactly. And even if even on some of these Obamacare plans, if you go into the emergency room, your your deductible could be ten, twelve, fourteen thousand dollars, which means you're paying the first ten thousand dollars of that medical bill before the health insurance plan will pick up a dollar. So if you don't have ten thousand dollars in your in your bank account, you're toast if you have a ten thousand dollar deductible. Like you have to go figure out, you know, how to sell stuff to to make your, make your deductible. And that's why for crowd health, we're like, look, you know, we asked you to to, to pay the first 500 bucks. If you have a, you know, a mountain bike fall 500 bucks, if you tear your ACL 500 bucks, you have a motorcycle accident, it's 500 bucks. Like, so anybody can come up with, or the vast majority of people can come up with $500. Yeah. Right. The vast majority of people can't come up with $10,000. And that's why people are going bankrupt, because they don't have $10,000 to cover that are deductible. And so it's it's putting people into bankruptcy, which I think is a tragedy.
0: Yeah, I it's just I wonder all the time, like every time I go on there to the Obamacare website to shop around and just like check out prices, like how do people afford this? This is like about as much as my mortgage. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's very, very expensive, even on totally. what I thought was supposed to be an affordable kind of a system for people who who you do know, don't have corporate health insurance. It's crazy.
1: Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, corporate health insurance is costing, according to the Kaiser Family Foundation, $7,000 for an individual and twenty-two dollars or $23,000 for a family. Um, and so people are like, well, you know, at least my employer pays for it. And I tell them, I was like, look, the money that they're paying for health insurance, they're not paying you. So in essence, you are paying for it these, um, you're not getting, you know, the salary that you could have gotten because they have to pay for your health insurance. That kind of goes into one bucket. And so, you know, and to give you kind of an idea of, of crowd health, like our families over the last 12 months have paid under $6,000. So the corporate health insurance has paid 22 or 23 Co- crowd health has paid something like six for a family of four. Um, and for an individual, it was like, you know, 1500 bucks or something like that, 1200 bucks. Um, And so it's, it's, dramatically different than the the health insurance plans out there.
0: Yeah, okay. So w- we just switched car insurance so a few months ago, switched to State Farm, like a good neighbor State Farm's there, whatever. They send us a little bluetooth <laughs> connected device that I put in my car to make sure I'm not driving like, you know, <laughs> a, a terrible Formula 1 driver bumping into everybody, speeding, braking too hard, whatever. <laughs> Rates me, right? And and it incentivizes me to drive smarter, to not be on my cell phone when I'm driving. And if I drive safe, according to their metrics I get a discount and health insurance again it's it's not even like any other kind of insurance it doesn't work like that at all
1: no it's actually illegal you can't do that you <laughs> you cannot you cannot base how much you pay for health insurance on how healthy you are how unhealthy you are how much you weigh none of those none of those metrics um you know and, and so for us it's like look we've got our our the metrics that we're looking at is our average age is 34 um, so it's a young it's a young population. The BMI is somewhere between four and five points lower than the national average. Um, you know, our number one group of people are entrepreneurs and freelancers who come in and, and join us. And so, like, I'm looking at all these metrics. And I'm saying we just got a healthy, healthy group of people. You know, every every month, uh, it's like 30 percent of the crowdfunding requirements is pregnancies and somewhere around 25% is active injuries and then the rest is a smattering of you know illnesses and you know wellness visits and things like that so it is very very clear our members are having lots of babies and they're having lots of active injuries which for me, I don't know about you, but like, I'm happy to help people out with babies and active injuries. Like, yeah, God bless you. Go reproduce and stay active. Like that's what our country needs.
0: Yeah, totally. So interesting. Okay. I've got one more question about the conventional kind of system before we really deep dive into what you're doing. Um, and this is on the doctor side. If I ask any doctor, what's the biggest gripe? What, what part of your job blows? the the same answer pretty much from everybody is like my job requires my 40 hours. And then I spend another 20 doing insurance BS. Like, I can't remember what the number of staff that's required at a doctor's office. If it was just for taking care of you, it would be like a receptionist and a doctor and a nurse. And it's, it's yeah. way bigger than that. I, again, I don't know what the numbers are. I'm sure you do, but
1: uh, three to one, basically three, three, three billing people for every doctor.
0: Oh, my goodness. Can you explain how that side of things works in the conventional medical system on the doctor's end of things, how they get paid, uh, what incentivizes them, that kind of thing?
1: Yeah, oftentimes the doctors um, have to get approval from the health insurance plans to do specific procedures. So, um, you know, they they. They, their EHRs have the ability to ping the health insurance plan and the health insurance plan says yes or no. If the health insurance plan says no, then the doctors has got to call them. They got to battle it out and say, we really need this. And so in essence, what the doctors are complaining about is they're saying the health insurance plan uh, is basically practicing medicine, even though they're not licensed to practice medicine because they're telling us what we can or cannot do with our with our patient. And so then if they said they can do it, then they actually have to bill it, which, like I said, you have three people to actually get the paperwork from the doctor's office to the um, to the health insurance plan. Plus, the doctor has to, to spend a bunch of time on doing that. And so, you know, the, the the what what would happen if you could show up and pay them with their credit card, where you get paid immediately. You don't have to get approval for it. You get the cash right away and you're getting charged, what, a percent and a half or 2% or something like that on credit card fees, as opposed to having to spend 30% of your time, you know, dealing with health insurance plans and a big, big chunk of money. You know, in essence, what happens in that scenario is doctors cha- can charge now 30 or 40% less for the same procedure if you show up with a credit card versus them having to to bill health insurance. So, you know, that's what we're trying to leverage at crowd health is saying, like, let's, let's enable our people to pay in cash because doctors freaking hate health insurance. Like every single doctor I talk to there, when I, they say, Hey, what do you do? I was like, I'm trying to replace health insurance. They're like, God bless you, please. Can I invest? Like, what, what is it going to take? What is it going to take? Because if you're, if you're thinking about this, right? Like The fact that I have to ask somebody else if I can do my job, which I've been trained to do for, you know, in many cases, these doctors, 10, 12, 14 years of school, you know, residencies and things like that, um, it is, it is, it's, that would be annoying. Like if, if somebody sat on your shoulder and told you how to run your podcast, you'd be like, dude, this is my podcast. Don't tell me how to run it. Like, let me do my thing. If somebody sat on my shoulder and told me how to be a CEO, I'd be like, dude, like, let me run, run my company, you know? And so the doctors hate that crap. They hate it. And they're like, if if the sooner you can get health insurance out of my life, the better. Is there a way that I can transition all the way to cash pay and get rid of health insurance completely? Most doctors would love that that situation
0: that really surprised me. And I only really learned that from being uninsured. My wife has had some blood work done and a few of the little things here and yep. there. And it's like, you tell somebody, you know, the receptionist, like we don't have health insurance. And they're like, Oh, you can pay cash and here's a discount. And like, you can get yeah. prescriptions for way cheaper. It's like, how does that make any sense?
1: Yeah, exactly. Well, this, there's a psyop that is going on that people think that these insurance plans are actually fighting for you, that they're actually getting you really great rates. And the, the 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 uh the reality of that is that's just false that's a false narrative it's a myth um you can 95 times out of 100 get significantly better rates by showing up with a credit card than paying with with your health insurance plan just it, that's a fact um and now I have thousands of of bills to prove it
0: That's amazing. Okay. So let's talk about your company. Tell us like kind of brass tacks. How does this work? How, yeah. How, how do you run this business and and run it successfully? How does it work for the person, you know, paying into this? How does it work for somebody who's trying to receive money from
1: this? Yeah. So, um, we'll, we'll take the example of a single person, a single person will pay crowd health, um, two, two times per month. The first time is 50 bucks, that 50 bucks per person comes to crowd health. It pays all of our bills that's the only revenue that we get. And the reason we do that is because we want it to be very transparent what money we get and what money goes to other people in the community. Because one of the things we have trouble with with health insurance is there is no transparency. Um, And so we take our 50 bucks, that's the only place in which we touch the money. There's another additional up to $125 that you are going to send to another person in the community who has a health event. So let's just say, Hey, Casey, he's out running, playing, you know, soccer, whatever. Tears his ACL, and it's um, he goes to an orthopedic surgeon. Orthopedic surgeon says, "You know what, Casey, this is a bad one. It's going to be twenty two thousand dollars." Casey calls Crowd Health and says, "Hey, I tore my ACL. My orthopedic surgeon thought it, it thinks it's going to be a twenty two thousand dollars surgery." And so he said, "Okay, well, let us negotiate with him." This actually happened in Austin uh, not too long ago. ACL. Twenty-two thousand dollars was it? So we called the orthopedic surgeon. We said, "Hey, if we pay you in, if our member pays you in cash on the day of the surgery, will you give them a discount?" He's like, "Yeah, I'll give you them a discount." And so I said, "Okay, well, would you consider doing it not in the hospital but in the surgery center?" He's like, "Yeah, I'll do it in the surgery center." And so, how much would it be if we paid you or if our member paid you in in cash and you did it at a surgery center? He said, "Well, that would be about twelve thousand dollars." So. We called, and in one hour, not even one hour, it's more like a 15-minute conversation, got that bill from 22000 to $12,000. Um, Casey would pay the first 500 We would submit the remaining 11500 to, let's just say, 115 people for 100 bucks each. And so uh, if, the, if those people say, yes, I'll, I'll help out Casey, then that $100 goes from their bank account to Casey's bank account. And ultimately at the end of the day, Casey will have enough in his bank account to go and pay for that that uh, ACL tear. So in essence, what we're doing is we're crowdfunding your ACL tear from a group of people who have you know raised their hand and said, if anybody in the community has um, you know a health event, I'm willing to willing to help. Hmm. So um, we we present you one a month, one opportunity a month to help somebody out in the community. You can say yes, you can say no. If you say yes, then we transfer that money. If you say mo- no, we move on to the next person until we, you know, figure out a way to get Casey his 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 money. Um, like I said, we've had so- somewhere between nine and ten thousand bills that have been submitted. Everyone submitted to the community has gotten paid. Like every bill that the community had the ability to fund got paid, and this is from fifty dollar pediatric visit to hundreds of thousands of dollars in br- a brain hemorrhage member. Um, and so that's the way that it works. It's so different than health insurance. Um, I'm sure there's questions on it, but it has worked like so incredibly well.
0: Wow. That's amazing. Okay. So first of all, I guess a question on the negotiation. So part of what I'm paying Mm -hmm. CrowdHealth for is to be able to negotiate with the provider to be able to, you know, bring that cost down. You guys probably have learned tons of stuff on how to do that. Like for example, the hospital versus the surgical center. I didn't know there was a difference between the two. It's a huge difference in cost, but like, like explain that, like what, what, what the hell's the difference where the surgery is done?
1: Yeah. The surgery center. So, so surgery centers are such a beautiful thing because one, nobody likes to go to a hospital. It smells bad. It feels bad, you know, especially post COVID crap. Like nobody wants to be in a, in a hospital. The surgery centers look more like, you know, Weston hotels than they do hospitals. You know, they are set up specifically to do outpatient surgeries, which is the vast majority of surgeries that are, that are done. So any outpatient surgery, which means you have the surgery and you leave, you don't stay um, although there are some that do inpatient, um, they're able to do it at probably 40% less, sometimes 50 or 60% less than the hospital is willing to do it for. Um, and so that's the beauty of doing it at a surgery center. So it's same doctor, same anesthesiologist, just you're doing it at a surgery center and instead of a, a hospital, significantly less, tons of savings there.
0: Are the are the scalpels fifty percent worse or fifty percent less sharp or something like?
1: (laughs) No, it takes well well, a couple things. Is surgery centers typically only take cash, um, so you have to pay in cash, and so that takes a bunch of the bureaucratic BS out of out of the hospital system. And then you know the hospitals are basically what they're trying to do is they're trying to do everything under one roof for everybody, and it's just not an efficient model, right? Like the surgery centers. Um, let's let's just let's let's say it this way. What if a car manufacturer and, and Tesla probably is going to prove me wrong here? What if a car manufacturer tried to manufacture the the tires, the engines, the windshield wipers, the doors, the windows, everything within you know one uh, you know building? It becomes very inefficient because the people who are really good at making glass for the windows are not necessarily really good at making the tires for the wheels, right? And so the same thing that happens within, I think, hospitals is like these hospitals try to do everything under one roof and they think it's going to be way more efficient. But in, in essence, what it does is it, it does not allow you to specialize in one thing. So, you know, let's look at it a different way. Would you prefer to have a surgeon that does four ACL surgeries a day or would you prefer to sur- a surgeon who does four ACL surgeries a month or a year, right? Like. The surgeon who does four sur- ACL surgeries a day, they do you know a hundred a month, and they have seen all the complications. They've seen lots and lots of ACLs, and so they're just going to be better at it. They're going to be faster at it. There's going to be less complications, and so it's just a cheaper environment to do that. Is if you have some specialists who can do this, and a lot of times they do that within surgery centers. Why? Wow. So that's the reason why, you know, surgery centers are, you know, super inexpensive, but the primary reason is the billing is way less. The administration is way less than these big bureaucratic hospitals.
0: Yeah. And then the overnight stay is a thing too, right? Like Usually hospitals will try to get you to stay like two or three nights afterwards when it's usually not necessary. Yeah, totally.
1: Hmm. Yeah, totally. I mean, I'll, I'll give you a perfect example and this just happened to me. So for people who are following on, on uh, LinkedIn or, or Twitter or whatever, uh, a couple of weeks ago, I uh, was hospitalized. Um, in, in went to the ER. They thought I had a stroke of all things. Um, by the two two hours in, they realized it wasn't a stroke. Um, it was a complex migraine. And but they decided to keep me overnight just to just to make sure. Well, that overnight visit was really really expensive, as you can imagine. Right before I left. The physical therapist and the occupational therapist came in and they said, "Hey, we, you know, um, we just want to make sure that you're okay so that you can go home safely." And I was like, "What do you mean?" I was like, "I, you guys told me I had a migraine," and they're like, "Yeah, this is just a, you know, formality." And I'm like, "Okay, fine." And they're like, "Can you put on these pair of socks and can you brush your teeth and we'll just watch you?" And I was like, "Great." So you know, they're chatting with my wife. I put on a pair of socks. I get brush my teeth, and they said, "If we walk down the hall twenty feet," so I walked down the hall twenty feet. I came back. They were there for ten minutes. They billed me six 15minute visits. Each one was be- between three and four hundred dollars. So it was about two thousand dollars worth of bills that they billed me for a formality at the end of my complex migraine visit. And, and so I'm, I'm like, what the hell? Like you know like I, and, and so given I'm responsible for ultimately for this bill, like I'm calling you know the hospital, and you know Crowd health will do this on my behalf if I, if I ask them to. Be like, what the hell you charging me $2,000 for this, you know, this visit that, you know, lasted 10 minutes. It doesn't make any sense as a formality. Um, so, you know, we get involved in those things and help you walk you through these bills to say, hey, did, you know, did they, what do they do here? What do they do here? And so we can kind of walk you through that bill and and we'll find stuff that is is bogus Um and and you know fight with the hospital on your behalf. So that's a service that we provide.
0: That's yeah, that's amazing. And thank you for explaining the difference. You know surgeons and hospital systems and the you know um, I guess more like the the surgical centers. I think of it like: Would I rather have a plate of pasta from the cheesecake factory that has pretty much every cuisine on the planet, or whether would I rather go to uh, Franklin's and order yeah. to brisket when they do a thousand pounds of brisket every single day? I think I'll end up in the line at at uh, Franklin's.
1: That's a perfect example. Yeah, that's a perfect example. <laughs>
0: that's crazy. Okay, now you also mentioned something um, interesting earlier where you said there was a limit of, of for an individual. It's a limit of $125. Does that mean yep. that if I'm paying in, my my monthly rate might be variable depending on what is needed in the community, but it will never exceed that?
1: Yeah, it won't exceed 125. So this month we're asking for 100. I think next month will be a little bit lower than that. Um, and it's, it, it's variable based upon you know, what is going on in the community that month. Um, so this month we had a couple of NICU babies. We have had a non-Hodgkin's lymphoma case. Like we had some some legit, you know, cases this month. So we had to bump it up a little bit. And um, I don't foresee that happening next month. I probably think it's going to come down a little bit. So it does, you know, what we say is for people is like, budget for 125. And then if it's less than that, celebrate, you know, go and take your, you know, wife or, or husband or whatever, out to dinner or, you know, invest in Bitcoin or, you know, do whatever you want um, with that money, because we're never going to ask for it again. It's yours. Keep it wherever you want, spend it, save it, whatever you want to do. We're never going to ask for that. So we only ask for people to help for the events that happen in that month. Um, And so that's, that's why it's a little bit variable. And some people are kind of like, oh, you know, I wish it was just the same every month. I'm like, look, budget for 125 and celebrate if it's less. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you, you just got you just got got free money. Um, and so, you know, and we and, and most of the times health insurance plans, they keep that extra money. They put it in a big pool, which, you know, with inflation, the value of that is going down. Um, they will sometimes invest it and get interest off it and all that kind of stuff. And guess what? You don't get that. The health insurance plan gets that. And so we're like, man, you keep your money, you do with it what you want. You get benefit from that as opposed to, you know, any, any corporation getting benefit from that.
0: Yeah. Interesting. Okay. So if I'm paying in, do I know exactly where my dollars are going? So like if I, it's, you know, October, the, the, the fee is a hundred bucks this month. Do I know that I'm helping Tony in Cincinnati, or do I know that I'm helping the community at large? It goes into a pool that pays out all the claims evenly.
1: Man, yeah, great question. Great question. And I think that's our biggest differentiator versus health insurance. And so we will send you an email once a month. It's it's going to be converted to our app here in the next couple of months, but we'll send you an email. We'll say that, you know, a, a, a male in Salt Lake city tore his ACL and um, he is requesting, you know, a hundred dollars or whatever for, you know, his ACL. And so, you can you can set up that setting to say, you know, automatically approve that or automatically deny that or whatever. So there's some settings in the back end that allow you to automate some of those things. But, you know, exactly where your hundred bucks is going that month. And so, you know, as opposed to sending it to this big corporation, United Healthcare, where you have no idea where it's going, your money is going directly from Casey to Andy or Mary or Amy or whatever. Um, to help them with their, their health event. We do not get in the middle of it. We don't touch it. It's a peer-to-peer transaction. And that's a, a super cool thing. One quick story is we had a, a woman, um, which one should I tell? Because there's so many. Um, well, you know, a few months ago, we had probably six or nine months ago by this time, um, we had a woman who had a miscarriage and had some you know complications and had some medical expenses. And so we sent out um, a request and, we had a bunch of women. I think there was like three or four that responded and said, hey, um, you know, this is a part of my story, too. I had a miscarriage. I know what this family is going through. Um, you know, can I instead of one hundred dollars, can I give her two hundred dollars because I want to help in any way that I can? I'm like I was blown away because I was like never in a million years would you you know, call your health insurance plan and say, can I give an extra hundred dollars this month? Like it just wouldn't happen, Never, you know, but. Well, the way that we say is we say fund humans, not health insurance. Like your money is funding other human beings as opposed to big funding, big health insurance corporations. And so we think that's the beauty of, of this kind of peer to peer funding, um, And it's, it's very, very different than, you know, sending a, 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 a check to United Healthcare.
0: Yeah. So that's a really good segue. I was going to ask you, what have you learned about the community as far as giving goes? Like maybe I don't give a shit about Tony in Cincinnati and whatever he has going on in his health life. Have you found it's like maybe 50, 50 that people pay and don't pay, or is the percentage way higher?
1: Way higher. It's like 98% (laughs) say yes, um, because it's like look i mean it's it's hard to say no to another human being who's asking for help right it, it really is it's like i want to you know will you please help me no i'm not going to help you with your you know uh your pregnancy or your torn acl or your face bike plant face bike plant um and so most people say yes you know and and there is actually you know if if i'm if i'm requesting something from the community um you get to know, you get to know who I am by, by, with two, two, two things. One is you'll know if I'm a good member of the community. So if I've been asked the 10 times, you know, have I said yes, 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 yes. Or have I said no, 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 you'll see that in my request. So you'll know if I'm a good member of the community. Right. And so that's helpful. Like everybody wants to be a good member of the community. Um, And the other thing you'll find out is like, is my bill a reasonable bill? Like, did I treat your money, who I'm asking, you know, for money, like it's my own money, or did I just go out and get whatever, you know, uh, the most expensive doctor on the planet who may not be very good, and I don't like really give a shit if it costs five thousand or fifty thousand? Somebody else is paying for it, you know, and so that's those are two things that you know about the the community that that does help manage the the behavior a little bit. Okay. Um, so I think that's important. And then the other thing, real quick too, is. Um, we have built a community. I mean, people feel like they're a part of something, you know, and it, that's cool because when you're with health insurance and something goes wrong, you think the health insurance can, is trying to screw you. At least I do. Um, you know, it feels like they're 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 in, I'm in battle with my health insurance to get this thing paid, and so we tried to suck as much value out of the system as possible. Whereas. It, with us, like we're in a community of people, and it's like if you're trying to screw the system, you're just screwing other human beings. Like it's much harder to screw other be- human beings than it is to screw a big health corporation that doesn't feel like they give a shit about you, right? And so, um, we've had lots of people come back and and be like, we had a guy with colon cancer who's like, man, I got colon cancer. This is bad. I know. But please, will you help me find, you know, really great providers at a low cost? Because I don't want to screw the community. You know, most wow. people, if they had colon cancer, they'd be like, screw the community. I'm, I'm worried about myself, right? Like, um, and I was like, I was blown away. I was just like, wow, like there is behavior change here because they know like if, if they behave you know badly, it, it, it doesn't impact a company. It impacts a group of people that's, yeah. that's hard to do.
0: That's amazing. Well, I think the visibility on the claim is really interesting. It's almost like an Airbnb or an Uber where it's like, I'm not going to book a place that's got two stars on Airbnb and it goes both ways, right? The the person with the Airbnb can then rank the person who's going to stay there and vice versa. And so you have good visibility. Is this a good guest? Is this a good host? You kind of understand those things. Um, and it, yeah. it, it reminds me too. I, so a few weeks ago, I just joined this new kind of gym to train my people in the winter time. And it's a couple that own it and it's in a warehouse and it's open 20, 24 seven, but it's only the two of them that run the thing. And so they're only there 12 hours and they've got cameras and things like that. But like you, you can go there and not pay. You could go there and steal all the supplements that are out for anybody. And, and what it creates is this huge amount of trust and ownership in the members. The members love it. They're all super happy and positive and And optimistic. And they, they self-regulate everything. Like if you go there and you're a douchebag, like (laughs) it's not going to fly with these members. They feel like they're loved and trusted. They're on a first name basis with the owners and vice versa, and so it regulates itself. And it sounds like this system is almost exactly the same way.
1: Yeah, I mean, totally. I mean, it is it, it is the same way, and and um, you know, we just have story after story where people have stepped up for the community, and it's a beautiful thing. It really is kind of fun to be a part of the the community because it it does feel like we're all a part of the the similar tribe, which is you know the the people who are in our community um, are generally like fall into one of three groups. They're either keto carnivore people, um, because we've made some, you know, big strides. And I'm that's me. That's who I am. So it's, you know, a lot of the 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 people who are in our group share characteristics with me because it's what I'm passionate about. Um keto carnivore people, they're Bitcoin people who generally are significantly more healthy than the national average or they are kind of an alternative medicine type group, which is kind of like a, uh, you know, holistic naturopathic kind of crew who don't like Western medicine and are anti pharma, which, you know, those are those are three characteristics of me, too. And so I, I just am naturally drawn to those folks. And so that's who's become a part of our community. But each one of those groups have some overlap, which I think is, you know, they know that the big institutions are not in it to see them thrive. They're in it to make a ton of money and, you know, reap the rewards of, you know, denying claims and, you know, taking your money from you and, you know, jabbing you with with vaccines and stuff. And so, you know, our tribe is, is, you know, overlaps in a lot of different ways. They're like, man, this is, this is one of my people, you know, I don't, I don't want to screw them. And so it's, it's a cool thing to be a part of. So in the community, will I actually get to know
0: the other people? Like again, will Tony in Cincinnati, do do I communicate with him? Do I see his picture? Do I know about his life or do I just like see his name and see how many times he's contributed before I decide to contribute or not?
1: Yeah, you see that first, but I mean, I, I say we've got a great community in, um, on social, you know, so you get to get to meet people on social, I was at a conference back, man. When was it? May, I think, May June, and we had a we had a happy hour where I think 125 or 130 Crowd Health members came out to our to our happy hour. Um, And so, you know, for for I mean, I love some of the ideas actually that you just threw out. Like, how do we continue to build community in a way that does promote you know good behavior and all the other great things that come along with with community? So. If anybody else has any ideas out there, definitely you know hit me up on 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 Twitter or, or, or somewhere and let me know because I'd love some more ideas on how we can continue to build this community.
0: Yeah, it's an interesting question, and I just think you'd get so much more buy-in. I mean, you know what it's like to attend a conference, and you know you've seen people, you've heard people, you get to meet them, and all of a sudden it's like, wow, these are all my buds. Like this is great. Yeah, um, you're yeah, way yeah. more likely to support them, or you know. D- d- appear on podcasts and things like that. So, so I wonder, I'm wondering if you've noticed a trend or you maybe even expect a trend is more and more people join. I imagine more and more people join in those communities, you know, keto carnivore who typically, again, maybe some injuries, pregnancies, but really are not experiencing a lot of cost as far as chronic health goes. Do you imagine that over time, as your numbers grow of people that are actually healthy, do you think the costs will like kind of trend downwards over time?
1: Yeah, no, I mean, I think that uh, ultimately what 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 ends up happening is people do age up with you, right? Like, if I join and I'm I'm 44, so I joined when I was you know 40 or 41, and and so as you as you know, if I'm with Crowd Health for another 10 years, I I will be more likely to have health events 10 years from now than I do today. Just it's unfortunately the fact of of aging, but. Um, So people do tend to, to, to age up with us. And so costs will go up, but costs will go up very much, much lower at a much lower rate than health insurance, because we're able to keep those rates down, you know, so significantly. Um, You know, I'll give you a quick, quick example. We have a a woman who um, needs brain surgery. And so her local uh, neurosurgeon said it was going to be $68,000 and there was a a, a hospital like a, a an you know an excellent just an excellent hospital um like 20 miles down the road that was willing to do it for like $24,000 and this is with a neurosurgeon that is highly acclaimed neurosurgeon was willing to do it for you know much much lower wow. um and so you know it's like things like that that if we can continue to keep those those big costs down we think that you know the costs will be you know relatively flat they'll go up a little bit but you know relatively flat and way way slower growth than health insurance i talked to a buddy just last week who runs a company he's like his health insurance is going up 20 percent next year (laughs) like that's just not sustainable
0: (laughs) that's crazy wow okay so there are brackets for age then you age into different brackets and then pay a little more pay a little more based on what your predictive costs are going to be um is anybody not accepted in the program
1: um, two groups of people. One, uh, if you're over 240, um, then you are not accepted. We make exceptions for really, really tall people. Um, if uh, you are a smoker, then you are not accepted. So those are the only two reasons why we wouldn't accept you into the community. Gotcha. Okay. Wow.
0: Is there anything I haven't asked you um, that you want to explain?
1: Yeah, I mean the only the only other thing is um, we do have a limit on what the community will what we'll submit to the community on pre existing conditions. So, you know, if you have a a big pre existing condition, we just don't think it's fair for you to jump in and stick that with other people. Um, and so, what we do for that is say hey, you can come in and you own your own pre existing community pre existing condition. Um, and then once you're a part of the community and shown that you're a part of the community, then you can start, you know, submitting pre-existing conditions to the community, but it's after two years. So you have to own your, your own pre-existing condition after two years. And that's the other one that, you know, trips people up a little bit. So, um, you know, you can't jump in if you're pregnant, have a baby, stick the community with a $15,000 bill and then take off again. Like, you know, you have to, you actually have to be a part of the community, um, to be able to do that. So, that's the only other thing, pregnancies. Um, we basically say that if your um, due date is less than 300 days from when you start, then that's not eligible for funding. I see. So, you know, it's you, like I said, you just can't jump in and have your baby, then jump back out. So, 300 days is basically gestation period plus a couple weeks. Um, and so it's pretty close, but you know, if you're already pregnant, that's the one where we'll, we'll negotiate the bills for you, but we're not submitting that to the community for funding. Yeah.
0: I see. And I guess I'm, I'm assuming you're not doing anything related to like fertility treatments or things like that. No. Yeah. Just the pregnancy itself.
1: That's that's yeah. That's on your own. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
0: Wow. Okay. Well, I didn't think Netflix could get me interested in racing cars and formula one. And it did. I I didn't think I'd ever be interested in health insurance and you've gotten me interested in health insurance. (laughs) Um, it's, it's Uh, so fascinating. What a great system. And, and I want to make a pivot here. (laughs) I've had lots of people try to explain this to me, um, and I know it's in your wheelhouse, so maybe you can get me excited about this as well. Um, have to give a shout-out to my client, Garrett Gunderson, who writes about finances. He wrote the book Disrupting Sacred Cows that has an entire chapter that's all about blockchain and Bitcoin, and th- that was one of the better explanations I've gotten about how any of that works. It's still very confusing to me. Do you have a way to explain what Bitcoin is and how people use it? Like, wh- what is it?
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think people... Um try to go down the rabbit hole on this and try to 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 understand kind of the mechanics of how it all works. But I, I, I just say it's this you know most of what we do on a day-to-day basis is, is electronic money. You know, I, I can go look in my pocket and I probably have five dollars or something in my wallet. So most of the time it's electronic money. Um, so that's that's really not a lot different than than Bitcoin. Um, you know, you transfer money around electronically the great thing about Bitcoin is there's no government in between making sure that, you know, who sends it and who receives it and what they're doing with it and all this kind of stuff so you get the government intervention out of that. You know, I think the big thing at least for me on Bitcoin is, you know, we have printed in this money trillions of dollars over the last few years. I think it's something like half of the money supply has been created in the last, you know, decade or something oh, like that. Goodness. And as such, we're we're seeing inflation you know, skyrocket, like things are more expensive now than they were just two or three years ago. And so if you have more money in the system with the same amount of goods or a similar amount of goods being purchased, those goods that you're purchasing, the cost of those are going to rise. Like that's what we're seeing. But it's this government who continues to, to push out money, to print money, to pay for things that, um, you know, Wars and benefits for people and entitlements and all these kinds of things—it um, is devaluing, you know, money, and that's the problem that I have. Like the money I make this year is going to be worth significantly less next year. The difference with Bitcoin is that the amount of Bitcoin never changes, right? So you cannot introduce more Bitcoin into the system, and therefore there is no inflationary impact on on Bitcoin. Um, and if you think about it, if there's a limited number of of Bitcoin available, then and if the government was on a Bitcoin standard, like they are, they're buying in Bitcoin, you can't have these huge deficits that we're currently having to fund all these things that we don't want to fund, um, because it's it's impossible with, with being on a on a Bitcoin standard. Just like in the 1970s when we were on a gold standard, um, we could not, you know, spend more than the gold that we had and so it kept the 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 government from you know having huge deficits it was it was illegal to have these deficits um change that in the 70s as such we've pretty much been in deficit you know for the last 20 years right um and i think that's going to have a massive detrimental impact on you know the economy my me my kids my kids kids um, and i think it's ultimately really going to take down the dollar um and so you know i'm investing in bitcoin because i think the dollar is is going to be dethroned from being the world currency just like every other world currency in the history of of man has been dethroned at some point primarily because of overprinting of that money and i think the united states dollar is going to it's going to happen to the united states dollar too in the next Ten to twenty years is my guess.
0: I mean, what you're describing, like that system, cannot be sustainable. Like trying to think of what the end game of that is going to be is uh, not great. You see that happen in South American countries all the time, where they have to switch currencies because the other one is crashed. Yeah, Inflation totally. is like through the roof. It happened in Brazil when I was living there. Um, yeah, it, it's it's insane.
1: Wow, that's exactly right. Wow. That's exactly right. And I think I think the United States currency is going to go the way of some of those other currencies. Everybody looks at the British pound and they say, well, oh, the, the British pound, British pound has been around for, I don't know what it is 1500 years or something like that, 2000 years. Um, the problem with that is the British pound has also gotten devalued by 90% over the last 100 years. And so the British pound lost its, its you know, status as the world currency too. And so what would happen to the United States dollar if they lost 90% of its values, we would all be toast. Um, and so that's why for me, I hold probably right now, 25 or 30% of my net worth in in Bitcoin, um, because I think it's going to go up. And it's a great hedge, I think, against the dollar, which I think is going to go down. So that's why I hold Bitcoin.
0: Yeah, interesting. How would you recommend um, dummies like me get started? Not really into finances or currency? Like, what what would you recommend as far as like getting into this
1: space? Yeah, I mean, some people are are like, very purist about this, like, um, and not to get into too many details. But I think you should just go on like, Strike is one of my favorites. So go on Strike. Um and you know, you can buy Bitcoin off of Stripe, you can leave it or Strike S-T-R-I-K-E. Um, you can buy it on Strike and just leave it there. Um, and it's if you do want to use your Bitcoin to buy something, it's super easy to do off of Strike, almost as easy as using a credit card. So um go to Strike, you know, put put a little bit in Bitcoin and you know, at a minimum, just put a little bit in there. Um I, I think it's going to go up, you know, many, many, many fold over the next, you know, five to 10 years. And so put a little bit in there and, and, and play with it and try it. I, I think it's going to be a pretty significant, um, you know, player in how we transact funds, you know, in the, in the future.
0: Wow. Amazing. Well, thank you for that explanation. Um, one of the more chilling things I've heard on our podcast is having Dr. Thomas Seyfried come on and tell us that cancer is a revenue creating disease cancer is a Mm -hmm. revenue creating disease chilling. And he said, the system will never change until there's a financial incentive to change it. We need entrepreneurs to find ways to somehow financially incentivize metabolic health treatments for cancer. Otherwise they're never going to see the light of day because they, they don't generate nearly as much revenue. And I just think of your work as, as being an entrepreneur, finding a different system, a different way of going about things is just absolutely wonderful. I love what you're doing. I'm definitely going to be signing up. And I can't wait to be a part of the community and Thanks. you know,
1: I appreciate that.
0: It's, it's nice. It's cool to think that I am helping somebody else. And if something were to happen to me that I might get that support as well. So really appreciate you and your work and taking time out of your day to come on our show today. Andy, where would you like people to go to find you and connect with you in your work?
1: Yeah. Um, join crowd health, join is our website. Go check that out. You know, the great thing about if you want to sign up is it takes like five minutes um and so it's it's super easy um it is not one of these long obamacare you gotta go get your you know w2 forms and things like that it takes five minutes um you know we'd love for y'all to join us we're all we're at join crowd health on all the major social media um you know platforms as well um so we're probably most active on twitter so if you're on twitter come in and check us out we get we get a little a little sassy about what's going on in our, our healthcare system, and so it's for for nothing else. Come over for a little healthcare sassiness. I think a lot of people, especially as this airs, are thinking about health insurance and what they're going to do for next year. All we ask is go and check out, join Crowd Health, and you know schedule a fifteen minute you know call with us to learn more about what we're up to. Because I think when you hear about what we're doing, it's so significantly different and way way better. Um, then, then health insurance, it's kind of funny. One of our members on Twitter, just yes, it was yesterday or the day before. I can't remember his comment was something like, and this was his tweet. So I, it wasn't even a response to us out of the blue. We got this tweet that says, it's just so silly how much better crowd health is than health insurance. I just can't even understand it. So, <laughs> you know, it's silly how much better, you know, we are than, than health insurance. Um, and then one other quick thing on this is, I, and I forgot to mention, it's one of the, the coolest things as part of the company that I think is, when you when you join Crowd Health, you will have a team of two people in Crowd Health that you can contact at all times. So um, you've got a group of people. It's not we're not a call center. You're not calling into somebody in India. Like it's it's two people that you're, you'll be able to talk to anytime you want that can care for you. And that's a really cool thing because they get to know you, they get to know your family, they get to know what's going on with you. And, you know, if you have something pop up, you can contact them quickly and they'll get back to you. And And that's a really cool thing. So um, anyway, you know, come and join the crowd. We'd love to have you.
0: That's amazing. I just thought of one more question I want you to explain. Uh, yeah, no, no, sure. Wellness visits, um, things that people might oh, yeah. do like annually, I think it'd be important to touch on real quick.
1: Yeah, sure. So, um, you can submit one wellness visit up to 300 bucks per year per member. And, and a wellness visit we considered or uh, consider a primary care visit, OBGYN, pediatric, dental, or vision. So you can use any one of those five uh, once, once a year. Okay. So up to 300 bucks.
0: Very cool. Awesome. Well, this has been an amazing conversation. I hope to meet you in person eating brisket and watching Formula One at some point. We'd love it. Let's do um, it. Absolutely. But until then, we'd love to join the community and be part of it. And again, just really appreciate you and the work that you're doing. It's really something very awesome. And this was a great conversation. So thank you very much, Andy, for coming on today. We really appreciate you. Thanks, Casey. Absolutely. And this has been another episode of Boundless Body Radio. as always. Thank you so very much for listening to Boundless Body Radio. I know I say this all the time, but I really do mean it. It has been such a joy to make and produce this podcast and to watch it grow. Our business started in the pandemic in July of 2020, and we started the podcast in October of 2020. So it has been three years now, and to see that we have generated over 400,000 downloads worldwide is just simply unbelievable to me. This year in particular has been such a blast to travel to different health conferences and not only meet some of our amazing guests, but also to meet many of you, our listeners and supporters, we really just can't thank you enough. As always, feel free to book a complimentary 30-minute session on our website, which is myboundlessbody.com mm On our homepage, there is a book now button where you can find a time to speak with us about health, fitness, nutrition, whatever you like. We've loved chatting with people all over the world and many of you out there to bounce ideas off each other or to try to come up with plans to achieve specific goals or even if it's just to reach out to introduce yourselves, we would just love to meet you and connect with you there. Also, be sure to check out our YouTube channel if you'd like to watch these full interviews and also the shorter interviews on more specific topics that are taken from these full interviews. We've gotten really good feedback over there. It's also a really fun way to... To interact with people who comment we read and reply to every single youtube comment we get so head on over there if you want to start a conversation and watch these um, videos as always if you haven't already please leave us a five-star rating and review on apple it really is the best way to make sure this podcast gets out there to more listeners we've been able to keep boundless body radio ad free for three years and really want to continue to do so and so your five-star ratings and reviews are the best way to support us at boundless body and support the podcast cheers thank you again silver very much for listening to Boundless Body Radio.